Hey, we have been in a series of First Corinthians, okay? Uh, we've been in a series uh, called First Corinthians. It's a book of the Bible, if you don't know, uh, and it addresses issues uh, that the church had, any concerns, any problems, Paul would answer. Um, and so, uh, man, uh, of all the Sundays, it's, this is actually the coolest it's been in here. Um, you know, I came in, I think, on uh, Wednesday and Tuesday. It was hot. Um, smelled, I think we still had the smell from the eggs that we cracked. <laughs> uh, so just imagine what that smelled like. Uh, but yeah, um, so can I, can I just review uh, what we have gone through? I know it's been a crazy July, a crazy summer. Um, you know, we had those three weeks of normal service and then just the special services. Uh, so uh, before I, I go further, uh, let me just review the things that we have gone through uh, and the things that we're about to go through uh, as far as 1 Corinthians goes. So uh, the first week when we entered into 1 Corinthians, we learned about how the church should deal with sin. A hard sermon, um, not just a hard sermon, but also just a hard scripture um, to really stomach because, right, what Paul said, you got you to gotta deal with the sin, you got to kick it out, Right? You don't want it to permeate throughout the whole entire church, especially if the person is unrepentant, right? How do you deal with that? Uh, we talked about sexual immorality. Uh, along with sexual immorality, we talked about how uh, sex is not everything, but sex is for marriage, right? And we talked about singleness, how that's good. That's a good thing, and the church should encourage it, okay? The church should encourage it. Um, we talked about divorce. Uh, which was also a tough topic because there's only two reasons for divorce if, if you get, if, and those two reasons, adultery and being deserted, okay? Being deserted. And um, then we talked about marriage to an unbelieving spouse, right? I, I know, especially within West Michigan, there, there are some spouses that don't love Jesus and you're the lone Christian who comes to church, you know, and, and that's difficult. And then we get into what we're going to be discussing today um, about food, food offered to idols. Uh, I know that doesn't sound amazing. It doesn't sound awesome. But, right, Paul, um, Paul deals with the bigger issue at hand, okay? There's a bigger issue at hand as far as food that is being offered to idols because this is what the Corinthians were going through, Okay. Uh, this was their culture, and, and we'll get into that stuff. And so uh, before we, we go any further, uh, let me just pray for us, um, and then we'll get into it, okay? We'll get into it, um, and we'll get you out uh, because it's hot. Um, <laughs> guys, I hate the heat. <laughs> I really hate the heat, so whatever I can do to stay, for me to stay cool, like, <laughs> let's do it. But yes, uh, l l let, me, let me pray for us. Um, God, I, I thank you. I just thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for just the coolness of this morning, uh, just to be able to enjoy that. I thank you for all the people that are here. Uh, I pray as a, a church um, that we'll be ready to listen, uh, that we'll, we'll be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, even myself, as I stand up here and I bring uh, God's Word, I pray, Lord, that I am bringing... Uh, the scripture to your people, uh, not my opinions, not 
what I think is true, uh, but what is uh, the Apostle Paul, through whom you have spoken through, saying? Uh, so, God, help us to be ready. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some convictions that are happening within our heart. There, some of us are coming in with some baggage already, and uh, some of us might be coming in with sin that we're so guilty about. But, Lord, uh, because of Jesus, because you sent your son Jesus for us, we are clean as soon as we bring that stuff to you, as soon as we bring that sin to you. And so I pray uh, that we can listen with blameless ears. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 8. As I said earlier, Paul is addressing uh, food offered to idols, okay? Um, he's, off, he's addressing food offered to idols. If you don't know what that is, that's simply like what we do. Uh, if you pray for your food before any meal, right, it's saying God bless this food, make it nourishing to our body, right? That's dedicating that stuff up to the Lord, okay? Um, and, and Paul addresses this. He says, now concerning food offered to idols, Right? He's going to address it, but he's going to address the bigger issue at hand here. And the bigger issue is this. Right? We know that all of us possess knowledge. Okay? The, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Do you see the problem that the, the church is kind of dealing with? Right? They're asking a question about food, okay? um, but Paul brings up a bigger issue of knowledge. Remember, the Corinthian church, they were very educated. They were in a place where edu education, people of noble status, people who were super smart, they would look up to them and be like, man, I want to learn. I want to learn. Right? There are many ways uh, for us today that we can learn, right? Through YouTube, right? You, you want to know how to fix a car and build a car? Just look at YouTube. You'll figure it out, right? Because someone's teaching you. Right? If you, if you want to learn about other things, right? I'm sure you guys have Facebook and you look, click on an article and it's from The Onion and you're like, man, this is truth. Do not look on The Onion. The Onion is not truth. All right? It is just satire. Okay? Same with Babylon B. All jokes. All right? But there's so many ways we can learn. So many avenues where we can become educated. Um, and some of us go to school, some of us go to trade school, all these things. And you know what that knowledge does, right? Paul says, right, here's what knowledge does. It can puff up. It can puff up. And Paul says, you want to combat being puffy, right? You want to combat being, feeling superior to others. He says, well, build people up. Love that builds up. And so, um, Knowledge, right? All knowledge is, is knowing stuff. Right? The Corinthians love knowing things. Okay? It could be really, really dumb things of like just changing a simple tire. Right? That's, that's a, probably the basis of knowledge of a car. How do you change a tire? Right? For new, people in New Jersey, they don't know how to pump uh, their own gas. So that's knowledge that they understand, like, oh, okay, I know how to pump my own gas, but the moment I have to do it, I got to, it's a whole different story, right? Knowledge is just knowing things, right? There's a big difference when you got to put that knowledge into practice, right? For a lot of educated people, right, you're educated because you just know things. But the moment you, you got to do something with that knowledge, it becomes a little more different, you become less puffy. Right? Uh, 
Knowledge could go, take us two ways, right? It can make us feel really superior to other people because we know things, right? Now, knowledge is a lot like food. You eat food, and what happens? You get puffy, especially if you eat, right? That's just the truth. That's what, it, that's what it's meant to do. It's supposed to nourish you, right? If you eat a whole pie of pizza, right, um, if you eat a whole pie of pizza, you're going to get puffy, right? It's just going to happen. That actually was a tradition of mine uh, before Janina and I got married. Every Friday, I would eat a whole pie of pizza uh, just, just to do it, right? It was my day off, and I would do that. But yes, you would, that's what food does, right? Without an outlet, right, you remain puffy, right? Knowledge is, looks a lot like going to Lake Michigan and going to the first sandbar. Super easy. Super easy to go to the first sandbar. But the moment you ask someone, hey, you want to swim to the second sandbar, do you know how to swim? Complete different story. Right? Swimming gets put to the test. Your knowledge of swimming gets put to the test the moment you have to go to the second sandbar, the moment your feet can't touch, and the moment that no one is there to help you. Right? This is what knowledge does. It puffs us up. It can make us feel super superior. Right? You ever meet a new graduate? Are you ever meet a new graduate? They know it all. They do. They really do. Right? I was just like that. One of the worst times of my life is thinking I knew it all. Right? I was arrogant. I was so arrogant. I was so prideful. I came out of seminary and thinking like, oh my gosh, I am going to preach God's word. You guys don't know nothing, right? Until I had to deal with people. Complete different story. You can't just tell people, hey, this is what God says. Do it. They ain't going to do that, (laughs) right? And that's what we do with knowledge. We get it, right? We could either use it for our own gain for our own self-righteousness, um, or we could do what Paul is asking us to do. But love builds up. He says knowledge, right? Knowledge is, knowledge gained, right? It's meant to build up the people of God. It's meant to build up the person next to you, in front of you, right? This is what Paul's saying here. He's saying knowledge, right, is not meant to just be kept to yourself, but knowledge is meant to be imparted and to be used to make disciples, to be used to advance the kingdom of God. Guys, when I talk about knowledge, it does not need to be super intellectual. It could be the simplest of things, right? If you have your GED or you didn't graduate high school, right, you might feel a little dumb, but the moment you learn something new, you feel really proud about that. But we have a responsibility with that knowledge that we have gained to impart it to the next generation or to someone next to you. Paul is saying that knowledge that you have is meant to be used to build up the people of the church. Here's what Paul says. um, When we think we know things, it's kind of condescending when Paul says this. Uh, but Paul says in, in verse 2, right, he says this, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he, he, doesn't, 
he does not yet know as he ought to know. I know that sounds very confusing, but Paul is simply saying, look, uh, for those of you who think you know, you actually don't know. (laughs) How many of you parents have ever said that to your kid? (laughs) You think you know, but you don't know. Parents, you think you know, but you also don't know. Right? Paul puts us all on a different, on all of us on an equal playing field. Right? Knowledge is never meant to bring people down. Knowledge is never meant to tear anyone down. What Paul says in verse 1, he says, knowledge is meant to build each other up. Look, some of us are very, 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 very smart. But there's a time and place to flex your knowledge and to flex your knowledge so that it builds up the people and the body of Christ. Okay? Guys, you guys are educated. You guys are smart. You might not feel that way, but there are some specialties that you guys are really, really, really good at. And God will put you in those places where you're, where you're really good at, and God will say, hey, can you help this person do this? And you have an option, right? To, like for me, I suck at building things, right? And there's a lot of builders in this room, right? And you have the option to look at me and say, you suck, <laughs> right? You are not a man. You don't even know how to measure this two-by-four, I really don't know. <laughs> I remember Brian asking me to measure something. I'm like, uh, it's two, and I don't know the fractions. <laughs> right? But Brian had this opportunity to, whether, to be like, man, you're dumb? Or, hey, let me show you what this means. And this is what Paul is saying. You have an opportunity with what you have, right? The knowledge that you have gained from the Lord, right? Whether it's this theological knowledge or whether it's practical knowledge, you have a responsibility to use that to build up the church. To build up the church. And, and, and Paul says in verse, um, verse 3, he says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God, right? When you do that, when you impart wisdom to uh, people next to you, in front of you, all around you, when you impart wisdom towards the church, when you use that to build up the church, the knowledge that God has given you in the first place, right, what does it prove that you understand that, that you are known by God, right? And it also proves that you actually love God. You actually understand the knowledge that you have is to be used for God's glory. Man, I, I just think of us as a church, um, how different that would look. Media is driven to tear us down. Not, I'm not talking about the Christian church. Maybe some, maybe some media is, uh, but there is some media. There, there's this world that we live in is, is meant to tear us down. You know why? Well, we could trace it all the way back to Genesis 1, sin. Sin tears things down. But love does not do that. Love does the exact opposite. Love builds. Love encourages. Love uplifts people. Imagine as a church, as Jericho Road Church, man, if we were a community that just built each other up, what would that look like? 
What would that look like to tell someone, hey, you have a talented voice. Use it for the Lord. The person might shrink back and say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't think I can, I don't think I can. But we could tell them, hey, you got this. You could do this. What would that look like for a church just to say hi to someone? <laughs> do you know a simple hello can make someone's day go better? Because by saying hello, it means you're acknowledged, it means you are known, it means you are seen. How countercultural would it be for Jericho Road, right, anytime someone entered in and all they did wait, was complain, blah, 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 my day was terrible, but what if you, as a Christian, said, man, I'm so sorry that your day, your week was terrible, but what were the good things? Right? My wife, when she comes home, um, you know, she's working 312s today, uh, this week, this weekend, um, a new season for us, new season. And as a nurse, I know some of you guys are nurses in here, and you understand, uh, you kind of understand where, where I might be saying this or what, what I'm saying, but she'll come home and she'll just be tired. And I'll ask her how her day is. Uh, probably a really dumb, probably a really dumb question for me because her day was probably really, <laughs> really rough, right? You know how people can be. All right, and she's on the ICU unit. She's dealing with families. And, um, you know, a lot of the times she'll focus on the bad real quick. Right? She'll focus on the bad. This family did this. This nurse, who is supposed to be a supervisor, did this. They just used me, right? Um, but, but, right, I have the option to be like, that sucks, right? Quit your job, <laughs> right? Quit it. Those people are jerks. They don't deserve you, right? But I can simply just ask her, hey, what were the good things that God used you in? Right? Did you put an IV in today? Right? Did you help another nurse today? How awesome was that? Did you use your knowledge that God has given you the last four years? Uh, were you able to practice those things? Right? Do you see the difference? If the church just pointed each other, right, to the love of God, it would be completely different. When you point each other to the love of God, it builds up. It builds up. When we impart knowledge to the next generation or to people in front of us, when we build up the gospel of Christ, the, this gospel that Jesus uh, has imparted to us, right, it grows the church. And all over Scripture, all over Scripture, there's, there's, there are times in Scripture where you see when people are building each other up, what happens to the church? It grows, whether that's numerically or spiritually, but it sure grows. Man, I, I, I pray that we become a church that builds up one day. Well, not one day. I hope it happens now. What's the number reason, what's one of the number one reasons why people leave church, right? It's because they're not being fed. They're not feeling fed. They're not feeling built up, right? And I know some of you have, might, have that, uh, might have that attitude where it's like, man, I was not fed today. 
look, there's going to be times where you're not fed. <laughs> okay? There's going to be times where the preacher really stinks. Where the preacher did not do their due diligence and they didn't um, look at God's word and they're just giving you stuff. Right? That's a different story. Right? Different problem. Right? There's going to be times where you just don't feel fed. And, and the reason being is because you might be overly fed. You might have eaten too much of the spiritual food and you're not doing nothing with it. The, the reason for the feeding, the reason why you are being fed on, on any time you gather, right? The whole point of you being fed is so that you could feed others next to you, behind you, in front of you. So you could feed your coworkers, right? So you could build each other up. That's the whole point of being fed. But if you're going to sit here and just consume and consume and consume, you will leave very, very soon. And not only that, you will leave complaining, you will leave criticizing. Right? It doesn't matter what we do, you already made up your mind because you do not want to build others up. The opposite of criticizing, the opposite of complaining is to build each other up. Guys, there's going to be times where you're going to just really hate your job, and, and God might just be saying, look, hey, can you build someone up today? And your job might be completely different. It was no longer a job, but it's a mission field. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians um, 8, verse 8, he says, Therefore, as to eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. Okay? An idol has no real existence. If you see anything in quotation marks, that's Paul using uh, their argument against them, right? Using stuff against them, right? That's kind of like very similar to when your kid is like, hey, you said we're going to go to Chick-fil-A after church, right? But then you realize it's closed, right, on Sundays, right? Uh, but, but it's very similar to, to what's happening here. Paul is using their argument against them. He's saying, right, therefore, as to, an, uh, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. No God but one. Okay? For although there may be so-called gods, many gods, whether it's statues or whatever, right, in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, many noble people. Okay? Yet for there is one God, right? Paul brings them back to the one true knowledge. Yet there is one God, the Father for whom, whom all things for whom we exist and one Lord, right? God, right, he created everything and all things exist because of him and for him. And here is uh, another thing, another truth that Paul is trying to help bring the Corinthians back to. And he says this, right, one Lord Jesus Christ. He's making sure people understand that Jesus Christ is also God and he is also Lord, right? Um, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Paul brings them back there. There's only one God. Jesus, he was God. Jesus, he was creator. He was there at the beginning. All things were made through him and, and for him. The reason why we exist as a church is because of him. 
It's for him. It's for his glory, for his name to be advanced, right? And in verse 7, it says this, however, not all possess this knowledge. Not all possess this knowledge, okay? But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will never, will not commend us to God, okay? We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do, okay? Again, right, Paul is addressing the food thing now, right, with the bigger issue at hand, right? There are, there are some Christians who are very mature and they understood their right and their freedom in Christ, right? They understood that, hey, I live in a pagan culture where all the meat is being sacrificed to a random god. An idol has no existence. You know what? I'm going to eat that meat. I'm not going to be eating it to this random god. I'm not going to be eating it to Zeus. I know that I'm going to be eating it to the Lord. Right? If I go to Dr. Rolfs today, right? If I go to Dr. Rolfs today and... I see that meat being sacrificed to a pig. In my mind, I'm like, I'm still going to eat the pig because I'm not eating it to the pig. I'm eating it to myself and because the Lord is providing this brisket, right? One side, super free, understands that they are free in Christ. But there's the other side who is asking the questions, what do we do with food offered to idols, right? And they are saying, Whoa, 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 strong Christian over there. Do you not realize that food was dedicated to an idol? What are you doing? What are you doing? You should not be eating that food. Okay? So who's right? Who's right in all of this? Is it the guy who understands that they are free in Christ? Right? They understand that, okay, all the meat around this society might be offered to idols. But I got to eat somehow, right? And the Lord says, I'm free, right? I'm not tied down to that. And my conscience is saying, I could eat that meat. I know I'm not eating it to Zeus, right? And there's the other side who's saying, all that meat, it doesn't matter. It's all offered to a different idol, to Zeus, so I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to be a vegan, Right? I'm going to be a vegan. So who's right? Paul doesn't really give us an answer. Right? But he does give us an, he does help us understand what to do. Look, there, as a Christian, okay, as a Christian, there's going to be times, right, first of all, there, there are concrete truths that as a, as a Christian, as the disciple of the Lord, the one, as a disciple of the one true God of the Bible, right, there are concrete truths that we should never argue about, that we should never question, right? Is Jesus God? Yes. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Yes, right? Is murder bad? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad, Okay. Is pornography bad? Yes, it's not a movie, right? It's poisoning your mind. Right? There, there are concrete truths where we should never argue about, 
the church should never argue about. But there are some other things, like the gray areas, where, where, where we really experience crisis freedom, right? Where we got the people who won't eat pork and the people who will eat pork. Right? Where, where, and and we, we kind of went through it, um, right? We kind of went through it as a church, and, well, we did, all churches went through it in 2020. Is the mask wrong? Is the mask right? Is sending my kid to a Christian school versus a public school? Is sending my kid to a public school or homeschooling? What's right? Should I shop at Target and Starbucks knowing what they stand for? Or should I not? Do you see those gray area portions? where there's no concrete truth in that, but where God works on his people's heart. There are some things where we can argue about, but some things, right, we should not argue about. Look, there's going to be a time, right, there's going to be a time where you, as a Christian, are going to have to sacrifice your right. Paul says here, he says this in verse 9. He says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Okay? A stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees hey, uh, you who have knowledge eating uh, in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. And the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak and you sin against Christ. Right? Paul is saying some of you guys will have personal convictions in the gray area. You really will. Right? But as far as Christianity goes, as far as this, this church goes, as far as like of you being a disciple of the Lord, you are going to defer right, from a different person. Right, the, one of the biggest gray areas the church struggled with was the mask. Who's right? No one was right. right. The person who was right was a person who was not a stumbling block. The person who was right was the strong person uh, becoming weak towards the person who was possibly weak. Look, this, this happens. Right? There are new Christians who are going to be weak in their conscience. Right? It's just going to happen. Right? There's going to be weak Christians as far as their knowledge goes, right? And that they need the strong Christian who knows more, who knows more about Christ, who has been following the Lord more, right? That have to impart wisdom to um, the weaker Christian, right? What I mean by that is you got to impart concrete truths, but not your personal conviction. Because your personal conviction might not be the conviction of the weaker Christian, do you see what I'm saying here? At some point, if you think you are a strong Christian, at some point you are going to have to lay down your right and become weak. When it came to the whole COVID thing, right, you think I liked having something over my face and me breaking out? No, that was terrible. It was a terrible time. But if 
for the sake of the gospel, if I needed to put on a mask because someone really thought that if you wear the mask, you are honoring the Lord, then I am going to put on the mask. Same on the other side. If you really think the mask did not protect you, right, uh, and, and this person was not laying down their right, you who think that the mask is protecting you are to take it off and simply say, okay, I'll be with you. Do you see what Paul is getting at? In some moments, we're going to feel strong, and in some moments, you will better become weak. Your right is not better than loving and building someone up. Being right never trumps building someone up. A lot of us are so bent on saying, my freedoms are under attack, therefore I'm going to show you how my freedoms are under attack. And you know what becomes your message is to become this freedom fighter versus the person who is going to become weak so that the gospel of God will advance. That is what matters the most. Not your right, not your freedom, not also really not your conviction that God has convicted you on in the gray area, right? It's about advancing the gospel so that others can be built up. Look, okay, I don't struggle with drinking at all. all right, that just, that's just, praise the Lord, I don't struggle drinking uh, at all, right? Uh, but if I had a buddy who, who did struggle with drinking, my first thing to do is not to go to a bar, is not to exercise my rights, right, and that freedom I have in Christ is to go to a bar and take my buddy who has been struggling drinking and he wants to change for the Lord, I'm not going to take him to a bar. I'm going to take him to Mr. B's where there's no drinks, where there's just pancakes, Right? We got to look out for each other. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 12. He says, therefore, but that's what Paul is saying in, in verse 9. He says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block. Because look, if we cause another brother to sin, okay, if we cause another brother to sin, right, Paul says, man, you're destroying that person. You are destroying that person who Christ died for. You sin against your brother, and you ultimately sin against God. You want to know if it's wrong to eat food offered to idols? Look out for your brother. What does your brother think? Man, uh, I really hope, man, we become a church that just that just cares about that. That cares about each other. That looks out for each other. For, for the sake of the gospel. I pray we become a church that builds up rather than tears down. I pray we become a church that even when it gets hard to build up, even if you're not being built up, if the church is healthy, at some point you're not going to stay where you are. You're just not going to be the person who constantly builds up. Someone is going to pour into you at some point. Last week, um, right, I was telling my, my wife, man, ministry's hard right now. 
I don't know why, it just felt hard. Um, so we went to Chicago, and uh, it was super refreshing. Right? Super refreshing because it was, I was like, oh, it's just me and my wife. We get to do whatever we, what we want. <laughs> and I came back, right? I came back still questioning, like, God, why do I still feel the way that I do? Why do I still feel the way that I do? Right? And then I started to get these texts flooding for some reason, um, just saying, hey, Brian, you're doing, you're doing good. <laughs> you're doing a great job while Jim's gone. Um, I got a total of four of those texts. Um, one came with 50 bucks. <laughs> Keep them coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> one came with 50 bucks. Didn't even read the letter. Just saw the 50. <laughs> right? Um, but I was just thinking as, as we were studying this, man, um, how good it felt to be built up. And as we, I was preparing the sermon, it just made me pumped up to, to share. It made me pumped up to advance the gospel, to encourage the people of God, hey, let's, let's keep doing this. That's what building up looks like. To build up even when you don't even know. Before you leave here today, build someone up. It doesn't even have to be someone you know. You can just say, glad you came. Hope to see you again. Give a nice smile. Don't, that might be more hitting on. Just, all right, scratch that, right? Scratch that portion. But just be someone who builds up, right? Be someone who builds up. And, and in verse 13, it says this. Therefore, food makes my brother stumble. I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Guys, your convictions should never trump, right? It should never go over building someone up. You will know in that time and in, in that situation if you need to sacrifice your right, right? If it's a struggle for you to do something that you don't want to do because the, this buddy of yours or sister of yours is, is struggling, someone has to just become weak. Right? We live in a culture where uh, the weak serve the strong, but the Scripture teaches us that the strong serve the weak. Scripture teaches us that the strong serves the weak. And, and if you're struggling with that, man, look at Jesus. He had all the right to say, bow before me. I am God. He had all the right to say, trust me, what I am saying is true. He had all the right to, to do anything he wanted, but you know what he did? He laid his life down in Philippians 2. It says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And here's what Jesus does, right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Which is yours in Christ. He says, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of, en uh, likeness of men and being found in human form. 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, to the point of death, even death on a cross. To become weak is to become like Jesus. To become weak is to build up the church. Use the knowledge that you have gained practically, spiritually, emotionally, however that is, to impart that to the next generation or the people next to you. Use that knowledge to build up the church. Become weak. Your little gray area convictions will never trump building someone up. When you build someone up, when you become weak, you look more and more like what Jesus is, who he is, and what he has done for us. Let's pray. God, I pray we become a a culture, a church, um, that strives to build one another up. that we create an atmosphere where it's encouraging, not falsely encouraging and not falsely building each other up, but man, we will point each other to the love of God. God, I, I just pray that um, your people know, and even I know, uh, that you have created us as a masterpiece that you know us and you form us and you know everything about us. You know all the things we're good at, all the things we're bad at. But Lord, even in all of that, you build us up. And I I pray that we become a a community that just builds each other up. We become counterculture. We become what the culture of what Jesus wants. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this opportunity to to build your people up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.